Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast. We appreciate you. We really do. And uh, just thank you for sharing and for praying for us. Um, we're going to talk about local, state, and national issues and news today. Uh, some pro-life news, some other encouragements to get back to uh, being active in your local community, whether that be school boards or uh, just running for office even. Um, but we've got Julianne Appling here of the Wisconsin Family Council. And uh, we also are going to talk about some events that we have forgotten about. Um, it's really surprising to me, but I guess it shouldn't. Um, but one thing I want to share before we get into the topics today and all the things we're going to touch on, um, I was so dis- not disappointed. Um, I saw some pictures of the Emmys, and you know where I'm going with this. In fact, I have an article somewhere. Um, in all my preparations. Okay, here it is. At the Blaze. Uh, first of all, let me tell you what happened. I saw some pictures of celebrities hugging, not wearing masks, not social distancing, not worried about big p- crowds, and the media, of course, no one's calling that a super spreader, the Emmys. But these are some of the same people who lecture the rest of us about what we should do. And so I'm all about exposing DDS, Democrat double standards. So... To them, the mandates are for the little people. The rules are for the little people, not Hollywood's rich and famous. And I was wondering about this, and then I saw another picture of a guy doing security or someone serving tables. They were wearing masks. So I'm going, wait a minute. This is interesting. The help. The help were required to wear masks, but not the celebrities. And then I actually pulled up this info that apparently, in response to the lack of masks... (laughs) at the Emmys, the L.A., Los Angeles County Department of Public Health, says its indoor mask mandate does not apply to film, television, and music productions. Are you hearing this? So, Jillian Appling, Wisconsin Family Council, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. Um, Thank you for uh, taking the time with us today. I want to get your take on this. Oh, my goodness. It's just more of the same, isn't it, David? What's good for you is good for you, but it's not good for me. (laughs) But but this is right in your face. This is, is. I mean, millions of people. I know that the the, um, viewership and the ratings continue to drop dramatically for every awards show, which I never watch awards shows, for awards shows and unfortunately for the NFL and for the sports leagues and anyone who's doing social justice or political um, and this is political. They've made it political. But here it is. Oh, it's about science, right? Well, we know that 90, 97% of scientists agree with whoever is funding them. But let's talk about this double standard, Julaine. How can they get away with this? I mean, this is people were watching the Emmys going, oh, OK, I guess uh, California doesn't have any issues with the Rona, the virus. Well, you know what? I don't think they care about the double standard, David. Right. I think they want right. to do what they want to do, you know, and and, and seriously, uh, they want to make it sound like they are all about the mask, all about the vaccines, all about, you know, social or physical distancing. And when push comes to shove, they're normal Americans and they say, oh, my word, none of this really makes sense. Now, the fact that their help was and and you you, you and I both know what happened there in order <laughs> yes. to be able to be help to be hired help for that event. Their employer said, you must wear the mask. Yep. And, and so these <laughs> the people who were employed as a help got stuck and are going to lose their job, you oh. know. And meanwhile, the, these, uh, quote, celebrities who get to do pretty much whatever they want um, got a free pass. And I guess one, one of the guys called them out on it. Uh, one of the recipients, I think it was, called it Seth, uh, Seth Rogen. Oh, did you know, he, he did put he him right on the one? spot? Oh, wow. Yeah, Good. he went. He went right on the spot. He said, "What are we doing in this room with a roof? They told us it would be outside, and it's not. We we prefer three shand. We got to have three chandeliers to physical distancing." <laughs> That's funny. Oh Lord, help us! I mean, that, okay, I've I've been saying this for a long time, Julian, and and we're going to get into the topics today. One of the big topics we're going to talk about today is going local. 
Um, making communities great again, and you're pushing this as well, which is very important. But I've always said, I don't remember when I started perceiving this, the, this, this double standard. We used, to just, we used to just call it hypocrisy. We, they would lie and tell you to do something, and they wouldn't do it. Well, that's been going on in politics for a long time. But when the Rona came on the scene, when the coronavirus and, and everything to do with social distancing or masks or vaccines or whatever treatments, uh, we've noticed in, in a really an obvious double standard. When it comes to double standards, what's dangerous about them is for the general public and citizens of the United States— to just shrug their shoulders and accept those double standards. That's when it becomes dangerous, when there's no resistance, no pushback, no um, raising or, or no pointing it out. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Julian? Well, I agree with you, and that's why I'm thankful for Stand Up for the Truth and for co- conservative news outlets that are doing a good job on pointing some of this out. You know, um, people ask me all the time, what news sources do you watch? I, I watch a handful of them. I rely on a handful to be giving me the square news, and they're constantly saying, hey, did you see Joe Biden? He was at an event with no mask. Hey, did you see this celebrity group? They were there <laughs> with no mask. Did you see Nancy Pelosi? You know, and, and we are pointing it out. Um, you know, America is an interesting country. Um, and, and by the way, the further we get removed from biblical truth, mm-hmm. the, the more accepting of this kind of thing we're going to be, the more willing we are to give, to, we, I think we will be to give people a pass and shrug our shoulders at it because we live by a principle that goes like this. Well, it may not be right, right for me, but my right isn't your right and you are entitled to your truth and your right, and I can't get in your way. Mm. And so we don't just shrug off the hypocrisy on things like whether you wear a mask or physically distance or, you know, or, or have group meetings and, and, you know, people come unvaccinated or whatever. We shrug off all kinds of erroneous uh, beliefs. We shrug off truth because we say, oh, doesn't matter. Your truth is your truth, and I'm going to let you live by it, even if it's not good for you. Wow. So I, I don't yeah. think it just double standards and all those things don't just apply in, in these kinds of unique situations when we're dealing with the virus um, and people's attitude about it. But I, I want to go back to where I started. Sure. I am truly grateful for shows like Stand Up for the Truth, for other um, conservative talk show hosts, pl- um, podcasters, bloggers, and you know, more, um, you know, kind of the, the groups like Epic Times and some of those other groups for staying after the double standard. My people, I, 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 cl- I close my, our major uh, radio programs with this verse. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Amen. Amen. Excellent verse. Um, Jelaine, let's get into some of the events that are coming up. And I'm, first of all, See you at the poll is tomorrow. I, I haven't heard anything. I mean, on social media, on I just what what's going on this year? I didn't even I saw went to, went to your website. See you at the poll is tomorrow. It's it, wait a minute. Is it tomorrow? Am I right? I think it's tomorrow. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, wait, I heard much it's tomorrow it. Wednesday. Yeah, I think it's tomorrow. It's wow. tomorrow's the twenty second. Yeah, I think yeah. it's tomorrow. Yeah, tell us about that. Well, look, see it. See you at the poll has been around for a long, long time. I know. It was one of the very first efforts by uh, Christian students in public schools to make a a public statement to say, you know what, we're going to exercise our religious freedom and we're going to begin one day a year um, outside of school hours, actually outside the school building. They gather at the flagpole uh, because every, you know, believe it or not, we still have a requirement for public schools and public buildings to raise the American flag every day. <laughs> and, and, and we're going to gather by that poll and we're just going to come together as Christian um, young people and we're going to spend time praying. We're going to pray for our country. We're going to pray for our families, our churches, our communities, and, and you know, for ourselves as we, we embark on this school year. They hold it early in the school year. Uh, what are we, three weeks, four weeks into the school year now? And, and it has been a wonderful time for Christian students to do that. Um, by the way, the next thing that the next observance for uh, public school Christian students coming up is bring your Bible to school day. Hmm. And that is in October. That's on our okay. website, too. I have okay. to get the date for that. But uh, we can get that before we go off the air. But but these are opportunities uh, for for. for 
Christian kids to make a public statement. And I think that's so important. Can mm. I, I just want to give you a staggering statistic. Go. Even after all that's happened with the coronavirus, all these schools that shut down and went virtual and parents had to take care of so much more education at home. Here in Wisconsin, about no less, no less than 85% of all school-age children today are in our public schools. Today, mm. which means a huge number of Christian families still have their kids in the public schools. Disappointing. So these yeah. are not these are not meaningless activities that these kids embark on with see you at the poll and bring your Bible to school day. They are not meaningless. They are they are a symbolic um, effort by sincere Christian kids to say to their world, if you will, hey, we believe number one in God Almighty. Number two, we believe in the power of prayer. Number three, we believe in Christian community and in the right for us to exercise our religious freedom and have this event, not sponsored by the schools, but sponsored by us as students, uh, to, to, to gather around the American flagpole mm. and pray to the God we believe in, who we know hears and answers our prayer. And secondly, on Bring Your Bible to School Day, we believe in our right to bring that Bible to school, number one. Number two, we believe the truth of that Bible. That's right. Th those are powerful statements. So and, you talk about 85% of school-age children being in our public schools. That is a staggering statistic for people to consider. Yeah. Even with, we're up 2% um, of Wisconsin, I think it was 2% of students nationwide were homeschooled prior to COVID, and now 3.25% are involved with homeschooling. So that's a significant increase, but it doesn't move the needle a lot still, even with our private schools and the voucher program and everything we have here in Wisconsin, we still don't move the needle a lot on the total number of students that are involved in our public education. I, I hope people understand that because we we have so much going on in our public schools. Yes. You know, I know you've got CRT on the docket to discuss a little bit today. And I, I, I'll tell you one of the other things that you, you're going to bring about is the uh, national observance that we had last Friday, David. Yeah, what that's was that? supposed to be <laughs> what was that? Yeah, what was that? <laughs> you know, um, it was Constitution Day. Wow. And actually that is a day that is supposed to be recognized in our schools. Oh my god. Commemorating wow. the signing of our US Constitution. That is I, I love that day. I just absolutely love it. So here we are. Um on September 17th of 1786, the I think it was 39 uh, representatives from the from the then uh, then United States, if you will, the individual mm -hmm. states that were part of the Union crash yep. at the time. All right, they were had come to Philadelphia in May of that year. Hot, 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 record-setting hot. They thought they were going to. Um, kind of revise the very failed Articles of Confederation under which they'd been operating since they had since we'd won the war for independence from the British. Mm -hmm. And the Articles of Confederation didn't work. And guess what, guys? The reason it didn't work is it didn't take into account depravity of man. Mm. It just assumed that, oh, yeah, everybody's going to agree to all this and we're going to handle inter interstate trade and all the rest of that, <laughs> you know, fairly, and everybody's going to pay their taxes. <gasps> they didn't. Surprise, surprise. So when they got to Philadelphia, that was kind of their mindset. They realized, no, 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 no. We need a completely different, we need to do something completely different. You know, and enter enter the people who said, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna have a constitution. And by think about that, from May to September 17th, they crafted what we now have, the world's longest enduring um constitution giving us a republic yep. as benjamin franklin said as he came out during that process and the lady asked him mr franklin what if, what form of government have you given us and he said a republic ma'am if you can keep it if and you if 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 and you know who he was talking about he wasn't talking about her she he was talking about us he was talking about us yeah, and so we commemorate that day that the um, Secretary of the Convention and all of those representing the various states signed that document on September 17th of 
uh, seven. And so it was incredibly important. And now we recognize that day on September 17th of each year. And by the way, it's not very far removed from Patriot Day, which is now recognized on September 11th, commemorating the 911 attacks. And so I I always link them. I I, I think it's important. And schools are supposed to observe Constitution Day and talk to students about what this Constitution is and how it operates. And by the way, the okay, listeners, newsflash, the U.S. Supreme Court is not, I repeat, not the supreme law of the land in this great nation. It, The supreme law of the land in this country is the U.S. Constitution, Amen. period. Amen. Um, by the way, Jelaine, bring your Bible to school. Day is Thursday, October 7. For those of you keeping score at home on your calendars, um, now let's go back to Constitution Day. I, when I emailed you, I said, "Who knew it was? It was last <laughs> Friday." And I say that kind of in jest. You and I, and and people that we probably hang out with or lock arms with or minister with, um, we are very appreciative and and respect our Constitution. But as we know, there's a good portion of our country, sadly, who do not um, either agree with or respect or value the Constitution, and I'm guessing that the uber-liberal or progressive government-run school system, the NEA, the National Education Association, um, the teachers' unions, and even many, quote, educators do not um, respect the Constitution. So I would love to know from students, I would love if, if we can come up with a poll somewhere, if anyone ever did this, last Friday or even Monday, yesterday, to find out how many children actually heard anything at all about Constitution Day, um, which was Friday the 17th. I would guess, and I wouldn't be surprised, it might be around 25% of teachers that mentioned it or had anything to do with it. Now, let's transition real quick, and you can comment on that if you want. But earlier... um, Last week, there's a story that broke that you shared with me. It's on your website. Uh, the National Archives. Uh, this is the agency that is, that's responsible for preserving the Constitution and other original documents. Um, on the Constitution, the National Archives placed a warning label, so to speak, called a harmful language alert on its research catalog. The Constitution has harmful language. Jelaine, your thoughts on this and anything else you'd like to share about that? Well, first of all, let me say that if you can put out some kind of, I realize it wouldn't be scientific, but some kind of a poll or a survey to see how your listeners respond to what happened in their public schools on Constitution Day, I would love to know how that turns out. Because I want to just quickly say, look, Part of the reason people don't respect the Constitution is they don't know the Constitution. (laughs) They don't know the truth about the Constitution. What they listen to are sound bites on newscasts that tell us how a court or a judge interpreted the Constitution. And if they're... Yeah. And if they're judicial activists, then they are looking at the Constitution as a, quote, living document that is, you know, malleable. Um, to the point of being able to be changed according to their personal agendas or some kind of a cultural moment that they think they have to adapt to. So that, that is really important. Um, So, so I know you, you can't, (laughs) you can't make up some of these things, David, that come together, right? Because the news broke about the national archives last week Mm -hmm. as we're leading into constitution day. (laughs) And, you know, um, so, the harmful language alert does show up on their um, their catalog. And so when you go into the nationalarchives.gov and you start saying, I want to search your records, I want to see what, you know, and by the way, it's not just the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the, the, um, the Declaration of Independence, but they take, they are in charge of uh, taking care of and uh, recording, if you will, and preserving certainly documents that are, from the federal government that are critical parts of our national record and national history. And, and let's, let's point out what is, what are the, as you call them, the Uber liberals, number one goal, in my opinion, right now, that it, 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 as it relates to our history mm-hmm. to eradicate it, Yes, they've to eradicate it. it, you know, 
tear down the statues, destroy, you know, don't teach the history. They don't just want to revise the history. They want to erase it. So, so here comes this supposed uh, caretaker of, of our national uh, records and our national archives issuing a statement on potentially harmful content. It is applicable to everything in their catalog. Yes, that includes the Constitution. Yes, that includes the Bill of Rights. Yes, that includes the Declaration of Independence. And what they do on there, they make some some amazing statements. And they say, I'm just going to read part of it because sure. it's just, you can't make this stuff up. It says, as a result, some of the materials presented here, and I'm on their website right now, may reflect outdated, biased, offensive, and possibly violent views and opinions. In addition, some of these of the materials may relate to violent or graphic events and are preserved for their historical significance. Well, part of me says, well, I'm glad you're preserving them and you know, let's hope we keep doing that. And down further, they have a FAQ, a frequently asked questions section. And that's where you really pick up what they're doing. It says, first question, what harmful or difficult content may be found in the National Archives catalog and our web pages? Some items may reflect racist, sexist, ableist, misogynistic, uh, misogynoir, and xenophobic opinions and attitudes. Be discriminatory towards or ex exclude diverse views on sexuality, gender, religion, and more. Oh they, they have set the stage, have they not, yep. for saying, hey, you know, our U.S. Constitution Oh, it's all about 1619. It's not about the Constitution. It's not about 1776. It's not about 1620. It's about systemic racism throughout our um, history. It's about the oppressed and the oppressors. That's that's what they've said. They've set it all up there. Mm. So uh, it, it, here we go. Yep. Julaine, um, we have to talk just a little bit more about that. That's so important when we come back. But also we're going to talk about the very full Supreme Court docket for this fall, the Texas Heartbeat Bill, and grassroots training events called Going Local, Making Communities Great Again. More with Jelaine Appling, Wisconsin Family Council, when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Julian Appling is, is with us, and I just want to repeat what we ended the last uh, segment talking about, that this federal agency in America called the National Archives, who are responsible for preserving true history, in other words, the Constitution of the United States, put a label on the Constitution warning people that it, there, it's harmful language, right? Uh, among other things, uh, it may reflect racist, sexist, misogynistic, and xenophobic opinions and attitudes and may be discriminatory. Our Constitution, <laughs> Jelaine, I, this is really disappointing, but as I, we mentioned during the break, we are a very divided nation but these are people in power, the National Archives, the, the government, the big tech media conglomerate, the, the um, Antichrist public school system, the system. Not all teachers are against Christianity, but it is a system that is Antichrist. And Hollywood, we've got so many powerful uh, sources of information, and they're the ones that have influence. And this should be concerning, but wrap up your final thoughts on the Constitution itself. We, and we talked about this because last Friday was Constitution Day. Well, first of all, you are totally right that when people in significant positions of impacting so much of our country make these kinds of decisions that they have incredible impact. Uh, they reach so many, I want to real quick, they reach so many people. And I want to, I want to real quickly read something off this archives. I went on to a link that took you to what they call, um, the, the founding documents. It's a prominent link on the archives page, David. It says, it's the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, Bill of Rights. Just want to quickly read it. These three documents, known collectively as the Charters of Freedom, have secured the rights of the American people for more than two and a quarter centuries. Now listen to this last part. And are considered instrumental to the founding and philosophy of the United States. What? Oh my word! Are you kidding me? Wow! 
considered instrumental. <laughs> oh, folks, uh, uh, li listeners, please, please listen to that. Th this is coming from the entity that, uh, by the way, it's under the Biden. It, all of these these groups are technically part of the administration, as far as I know, um, under their jurisdiction. That language that they are using is telling us that, well, you know, maybe they're part, you know, some people, these these right-wing conservatives, they consider them important, but, you know, a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. And I also want to reiterate, David, I, on there, they have the Declaration of Constitution Bill of Rights as separate documents, and they say, um, you know, here, view in the National Archives catalog. So I went to the Constitution to view it in the, in the archives, and sure enough, harmful language alert pops up at the very top. So folks, we're not making this up. Wow. This is important. Yep. Our Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Yes. When we lose the, the Constitution, when it does not become the supreme law of the land, we are no longer a republic. We are something else, and we are moving towards, in my opinion, a very scary dictatorship. Mm. Yes, and in fact, we're, we may get to this, but I have an article. In fact, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll save this for later because there's so much to get to, but I have an article by the, over at the Daily Signal that says, Beware Our Elective Monarchy and Its Attack on Checks and yeah. Balances, and which, which really is a good partner with this article uh, over at American Family Association, there is no American monarchy. So we better look at what a monarchy and what an oligarchy is, just to refresh <laughs> our memories. Uh, because yeah, we're we're in dangerous times with the power our government is is uh, wielding. Um, you had an event last week, or you took part in an event with Ken Ham, challenging families in a webinar. Can you tell us about that, and if it's available on your website, or how can people find out more? Sure. Uh, Wisconsin Family Council started doing a lunch with a purpose webinars back during COVID uh, so that, you know, when people were locked down and we couldn't get together, we had some way to give them information that would be helpful. And we brought well, we extended an invitation to Ken Ham, who is with Answers in Genesis. He's the creator of the Ark Encounter and the, the uh, Creation Museum down there in Kentucky. We invited him to join us to talk about his new book, David, called Divided Nation. Yes. And and, and it was it's a fast it's, it's real quick, uh, a very quick read. And it's only like, I don't know, 170 pages, maybe. But in there, he talks about how families and churches must step up and begin working to build foundational truth into our young people. His whole focus was on the next generation and how we have not built foundational truth. And by the way, one of his main points was during that um, webinar that we hosted, it was the main points was that when you put kids into our public schools and from kindergarten and now pre-K, you know, we call K-4 <laughs> through 12th grade, and they're indoctrinated in this day after day after day, year after year, then how do you expect them to come out with a foundation built on the word of God and not on man's philosophy. Exactly. It's almost impossible. Exactly. So, yep. Look, that webinar is available on wifamilycouncil.org, wifamilycouncil.org. Okay. It's also available, I think, through our, well, I know through our Facebook, but I'm, I know we put that out there on our website. Um, you know, at some point, I just have to delegate and hope it gets done. Um. <laughs> well, I'll get the I'll get the link to it and put it in today's post so people can watch that. But I want to emphasize the fact a lot of our listeners, Julaine, have been hearing this for 10 years. They've those who have been with us from the beginning have been hearing. It sounds like maybe to some that we're beating a dead horse when it comes to the enter. I'm sorry, the uh, education system, which you know, entertainment, education. Um, they're all antichrist, friends. There is a re very real enemy of our souls, and there is an antichrist spirit of the age that is alive and well and moving through our major institutions, which have been hijacked by the left. We have to just understand where we are. And as Christians, to send our kids to any anywhere, any organization, any establishment, or any system that is going to have dramatically more hours of influence than their own Christian parents and the, the, uh, one that is ripping them away from the biblical worldview, we should be waking up and rate, sounding the alarm night and day about this. Julian, I'll let you wrap it up. Well, I used to think that we could maybe, quote, redeem the public schools. I don't think that any longer, David. Nope. I, I, I think that we, 
I, I don't have a problem so much with Christian teachers and administrators and paraprofessionals, counselors, and all of that going in there and viewing it as a mission field. But their hands are tied, and they cannot preach the okay. gospel, of course. Th- that's exactly right. Well, their hands are tied to a large degree. Yep. Uh, thankful groups like Great Gateways to Better Education that helps these people who are in there exercise what freedoms and rights they do have. But, um, you know, just as we don't send children to the mission field, we wait for them to be mature adults who have spiritual maturity and spiritual insight and yeah. wisdom to send them to a foreign mission field. Yes. I, I, you know, I think it's a high risk endeavor to, to send our kids to public schools. And, um, you know, I'm always careful when I, when we talk about these things that I don't want people to, uh, there are very, very some very good people still in our public system yes, there are. teaching and doing all those things. Trying. And yeah. God bless them. But I got to tell you, we, parents, you are ultimately responsible for the education of your children. God gives you the, the opportunity um, in America, at least, to choose an educational partner. But God never, ever releases you from the responsibility for the education of your child. If your partner fails, the educational partner you choose fails, that is not on just them. It is on you to step in and to try to um, redeem that, if yep. you will, whether that's private school, public school, whatever it is. Uh, the, the response, let's go to Deuteronomy 6. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, teach them, you know, while you're sitting down lying, walking in the way, walking in the way, you know, you do everything you can daily to build into the, to the next generation, the truth of God's word. That's the foundation. That's right. That's, and by- by the way, we do have Ken Ham on the podcast next month. We can't wait to talk to yes. him about that new book. And uh, it's Divided Nation, Cultures in Conflict, and a Conflicted Church. That's the subtitle. And boy, isn't that the truth. And, and Ken Jill, doesn't let the church off the hook, David. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, you know, we—not we, we, some parents bring their kids to church and send them to Sunday school thinking that's, the, that's all the biblical training they need for the week, and then they go into public schools. Oh, my God. Goodness, it's the just think of warfare and think of preparation if you're going to a war because that's what this is. It's a spiritual war uh, manifesting more and more in the natural. But we've got to move on. I really want to get to your grassroots training events. Um, by the way, there's one thing that was coming up I wanted to mention on your website. March for Life Wisconsin is Saturday, October 2nd. Saturday, October 2nd. That's coming up fast. So March for Life Wisconsin is coming up. But tell us about going local, making communities great again. Well, look, David, we all know right now in our state, we have a divided government. We have Tony Evers as a liberal Democrat, and we have the state legislature run by Republicans, okay, Republican majority. So we get we, we get a loggerhead. We don't get a lot done. At the federal, federal level, we have that, you know, we have, well, actually a worse setting. We have Joe Biden and we have the House run by Nancy Pelosi. And of course, on, on in, in truth, the Democrats and liberals hold a majority through Kamala Harris as, pre, as a president pro tem of the U.S. Senate, Senate. So you don't get a lot done. What we know is if we are going to make fundamental change, regardless of what happens at the state level, regardless of what happens at the federal level, we have to make the change at the local level. For years, we've been around now for 35 years um, organizationally. We have said from the very beginning, real change happens from the from the ground up, mm-hmm. grassroots up. And so we're trying to help people talk, know what it means to organize, uh, to um, talk to your school board, to run for office, to to organize a petition, to get a FOIA or a, a open records request filed with your school board. Now this is happening. Um, what we call organically all across our state and country right now, because parents, quite frankly, have had it. Mm-hmm. Okay. We crossed the line when they started saying, nope, we're not going to come back for school for in-person instruction. We're going to make everybody wear masks and it pushed them over the line. Children. And by the way, yeah, yeah, children, not just staff and faculty, but, but I'll tell you, David, what happened when they did that is parents then started digging in. They looked at what was going on at the local level in their school districts online, and they found critical race theory. They found offensive books. Yeah. So what we want to do is harness some of that energy and help direct, help help people organize and be able to be effective in countering f- such things as um, bans on, um, you know, now, of course, um, my, my brain is, my brain is fried. Um, 
bans on the the um, biblical uh, biblical counseling that would would help kids understand the truth about si- their same sex feelings and same sex you know their their um, attractions yeah. or their gender confusion and uh, conversion therapy right convert thank you i got so many c's i got critical race and you know communism um, constitution day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so so these things are really really important and we know most people don't understand that so we're we're holding four grassroots training sessions around the state first one is thursday september 30th in appleton at the machine shed two days there's away. no cost for the event oh no next starts week. at six yep next thursday Yep. And uh, we're, we have materials. There'll be a presentation. It's going to be very practical. It's not. It's it's a interactive. It's not meant to be a quote presentation in the normal sense. It's meant to be a training session, and we want people to understand and what's going on. We just put together a new micro website. It's not quite completely ready, but it's got a lot of training material out there. It's called Making uh, Communities Great Again in Wisconsin. So it's M C. G A I N W I dot com, making communities great again. In, so M C G A I N W I dot com, and and it's just an effort to 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 help people know what they can do. David, the number one thing that stops people from doing things at the local level is fear. Yeah. And it's mostly fear because they don't know how to do what needs to be done. They don't know, for instance, that they can raise their hand and offer to be on a board or a commission or a committee that their local government has. And they have powerful um, opportunities, non-elected, not totally voluntary uh, appointments that can be um, huge in how their community goes, whether it's city council, town, village board, or whatever. Um, they don't understand that it's it's not hard to get to multiply the power of one and make a difference in your school board and make a difference at your county board to, to stop some of the egregious things. And more importantly, to start putting good things into mm-hmm. the community. That's right. That is that we don't want to just be about all about what we're against. We want to be about what yep. we're for. Yes. You know? So by the way, I just want to reference Ephesians six. You were talking about spiritual warfare. What we are dealing with all over is spiritual warfare. Folks, we need to get to Ephesians six and talk about the armor yep. and put it on and go to battle. Yes, we do. Um, that's so that's next Thursday in Appleton, Wisconsin. The first one kicks off going local, six PM at the Machine Shed. It is a restaurant right by the mall. Uh, so you can get more information and register at WI Family Council. That's WisconsinFamilyCouncil.org. We, don't, we have less than a minute, so I don't want to ask you another question. But the last time we had you on, Jelaine, I think we were talking about some state bills that were uh, supposedly protecting women and girls, sports. Uh, that was working through the legislative process. Maybe we can get an update on that because um, at that time there was nothing definitive. And then, of course, uh, there was a bill prohibiting critical race theory in public schools. And that's something that we need to be more aware of, friends, because I get some parents that contact me and they tell me, well, it's, it's, um, that may be happening across the country or in the big cities, but it's not going on in my son or daughter's school. I hear that more often than not. And, Julaine, I'm going to let you respond to that statement that, we often hear from Christian parents. It's not in my school. So when we come back, plus, um, while the world burns, the Biden administration is celebrating Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Remember what that was about? <laughs> More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We were just discussing some of the things that are coming down the pike and some of the things that have been going through state legislature. Uh, Jelaine Appling filled us in last time she was on with us. A couple Wisconsin bills. Now, different states are handling this different ways, but there was at least one bill protecting women's and girls' sports. Um, That was going through the legislative process. What happened with that one, Jelaine? Well, it passed in the Assembly and in the Senate Great. and went to the governor, and he promptly vetoed it. Of course. So this is a governor who says, I'm all about women. I, You know, yeah, right. we're going to do all that. And then in the one area where women have really fought for the right to protect their access and ability to get uh, scholarships and to have championships, he, he just said, nope, we're not going to do that. 
So uh, that was him pandering yep. to the LGBTQ crowd. That's simply what it, that was. Yep. And then there was another bill that that you mentioned that hadn't even gotten going yet. But we talked a couple of months ago about this bill uh, prohibiting critical race theory in public schools. Well, too late now. It's September. What happened with that? <laughs> well, so the bill you're talking about is um, a, a package of bills, Senate Bill 411 and Assembly Bill 411, which is odd. Normally, you don't have the same number. But um, this is a bill that would prohibit teaching basically critical race theory in our public schools. So that was introduced in June and then in July or excuse me, in early August, August the um, 11th. Actually, there was a public hearing held on it. And you have to remember that after the budget was done at the end of June, basically the legislature went home. So they didn't even have very many hearings. Now they're back. And so I anticipate that, in fact, I think they're voting tomorrow uh, in committee about on this bill. And that would mean that it's ready for the floor. So I anticipate that this bill will be um, voted in both the on in both the Senate and the Assembly. And I think it will go to the governor. Now, it, it may be it may have some amendments. In fact, I see one amendment that's already been offered just uh, last week. Uh, but I, I, I do think you'll see it go to the governor for um, for his signature. And quite honestly, this is the right thing to do. The, the legislators need to do the right thing, give the governor the opportunity to do the right thing. And if he chooses not to, it is all on him. Mm. Yes, it is. Um, so let's move on to the issue of life, which we talk about almost every time we have you on. Um, it, we need to be talking about this, the um, uh, Texas heartbeat bill. Let's start there and uh, the Supreme Court docket this fall and, and whatever else you want to discuss. Well, let's just real quickly remind people that the Texas heartbeat bill um, is is unique. Okay, there's heartbeat bills that have been passed prior to this. But what made this Texas heartbeat bill unique was that it allows private citizens to bring causes of action, bring lawsuits against an abortionist who commits it, who commits an abortion in violation of the heartbeat law. And the heartbeat law in Texas says that you cannot do an abortion once the baby's heartbeat is detected. So um, generally that's, um, you know, audibly, but I, I think the language of Texas includes visualization because uh, that can happen too. But um, so, so that would mean that if, if some abortionist is in violation of that, a, a citizen can bring that lawsuit against them. That means it takes it out of the courts. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to wait for the state to bring that lawsuit. Mm. That is okay. huge, yes. absolutely huge. And, and as a result of that, the abortion facilities in Texas immediately closed their doors because they saw the potential there for all kinds of lawsuits. And, wow. and maybe the whole world knows by now, but at the 11th hour, a federal judge said, I'm not going to stop that law from going into effect on September 1st. And so they turned around and said, well, we're going to we're going to ask the U.S. Supreme Court to override your your um, lower court decision and they went to the supreme court and at 11 basically 11:59 on the uh, 31st of august the u.s supreme court said we're not going to stop this law from going into effect and so it's been in effect since september 1st in texas now interestingly the biden administration uh, um, tried well they they filed a lawsuit asking the the u.s supreme court to um to put an injunction or stop the implementation of that law while they bring a lawsuit against it. And just last Thursday, the court said, uh, it wasn't the U.S. Supreme Court, I, ap I apologize for that, it was a federal judge, okay. a federal judge. And the federal judge said, no, this is a very complex case. And I'm not just going to unilaterally stop the implementation of this law that was passed by the duly elected um, you know, legislators there in the state of Texas. He said, I'm going to have an opportunity for both sides to present their arguments. So he's scheduling a hearing for arguments from both sides in October. Of course, that it, the people are livid that the you know Biden administration got slapped down by this federal judge. So what's going to happen is before before this is over, Mark my words, it'll end up at the U.S. Supreme oh, Court boy. for a full-fledged now that's full-fledged case. Now that's going to work in somehow with the Dobbs case that is arising out of Mississippi. Mississippi put into place a ban on abortions at 15 weeks. Right now, um, well, heartbeat bill in Texas now superseded that, but at the time that Mississippi did that, that was the earliest. Um, ban on abortion that we had. Hmm. And of course, Planned Parenthood and the abortion advocates immediately went and, and said, no, you know, we, we're going to challenge this. And they've 
they've held it up uh, for for a couple of years now. But that it, the the U.S. Supreme Court just I think it was just yesterday said for sure they are going to hear that case. So um, you know these cases are going to be heard this fall. This this case Dobbs it's called Dobbs will be heard this fall. And by the way, we won't get an answer from the court or a, a, let me rephrase that. <laughs> we won't get an opinion. Uh-huh. Courts don't make law. Thank you. Okay. They don't make law. And when they do, they are outside of the bounds of constitution of our United States. And, um, you know, states, actually, I, I agree with the people who say, I don't even think states should have to abide by that, but we will get their opinion in uh, probably June when they are winding down their session. So look, um, I don't believe the U.S. Supreme Court is at all the supreme law of the land. I do believe the Constitution is, but we do pay attention to rulings and opinions offered by the U.S. Supreme Court. Good. Let me say one more thing. Sure. By the way, um, Wisconsin, so to clarify, Wisconsin does not currently have a heartbeat law. Do I think that we may see one yet this session? I would say I think there's a pretty good opportunity for that and a pretty good likelihood in light of what is taking place in Texas. So um, can't I, I don't know a lot of details to share, but I, I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if we saw something like that come out of our state legislature. And by the way, if it were to pass, go to the governor, I can also tell you, I don't think that there's any ghost of a chance that this governor would sign that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, let's go to um, Senate Bill 16 that you testified on. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, Senate, Senate Bill 16 is a bill. It's, it's the exact same bill that the state legislature passed last session. Okay. It's the Born Alive Infant Protection um, Bill. It's the. It came about, if you remember, in Virginia and New York, they were saying, "Ah, oh, you don't know if a baby survives an abortion, we just leave them. We don't. We don't do anything heroic. We don't try any life-saving measures. We just let them die." Exactly. And so Wisconsin and a number number of other states put together a law, or excuse me, a proposal in, in bill form, and said, "No, in Wisconsin, if a baby somehow survives an abortion, the medical personnel that are present at the time must take life-saving measures to try to save the life of that infant." So we call it an anti-infanticide bill. Great. But I'm going to tell you, we have a reservation, and we support the bill with a caveat. Okay. There is a provision in that bill, an exception that we believe is totally unnecessary, because it says very clearly. That allows a mother to, to to kill the baby if the baby somehow survives the abortion. Oh, really? No, I, I don't understand that. I, I do understand that we give immunity for for mothers um, who choose to abort. Okay, this is different. This doesn't affect her ability to choose the abortion. This says if the baby is born alive after the abortion, that the mother has um, immunity, would could not be subject to charges if she chooses to let the baby die. We really struggle with that language, but okay. that bill had a hearing. Um, it will probably be on the uh, on the floor for votes in both the assembly and the Senate in the probably within the next month. And I I believe it'll go to the governor again, and he'll probably do what he did the last time within 24 hours of receiving it. He vetoed it and left town. Of course, of course, because uh, liberal Democrats that's one of their <laughs> sacraments is abortion. And let me go back to 2008. I believe that was the year when then. Senator Barack Obama was one of the only ones in the Illinois Senate to vote against the Born Alive Infant Protection Act. That was 2008. In other words, if a baby survived an abortion, he said, you've got to leave it. Just the nurse cannot give it care. Let it die on a table in pain and crying out loud. Um, let's go to this LifeSite photo, LifeSite news that I, I saw. <laughs> 17 Abortion survivors were now adults. These women were pictured in this wonderful photo. And uh, just your thoughts on that, Julian. That was, a, that, oh. that was like, okay, okay, should we protect these human beings? Yes. When I, when I saw that news article come through LifeSite News, I almost wept. Mm. Here are these women who have this incredible story. I survived an abortion. Wow. And they now are saying, look, um, I'm going to be public about it. And th- th- their testimony is, sadly, that whenever they tried to tell people that they were a survivor of abortion, people didn't believe them. <laughs> You know, but but you and I are always supposed to believe the story of those who are coming up with their 
their um, sexual orientation, trans, uh, gender identity, right? We're always supposed to believe that. We're never supposed to doubt that. But their story was being denied, their personal story. And, and so there's this abortion network survivors, ab abortion survivors network that's been put together to give these people a safe place. Imagine, David, if we have 17 who were willing to come forward and put their pictures there, there uh, put that picture out there, imagine how many more times that story could be told. Praise God for somebody who says, I'm I'm tired of being silent about this. I have survived it. And but look, those people, and I think they were all women in that seven in the 17 uh, survivors, yes. they would not have survived if medical personnel had just stood by and let them die. Exactly. Somebody had to step in and do life-saving measures to rescue them. A nurse, you know, a, a, a doctor or someone had to do that. So grateful for the for whatever that uh, medical personnel was, whoever that was that stepped forward and said, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't in good conscience just let a baby who survived this horrific procedure lie there and die when we could save them. Yep. And there are all kinds of nationalities and, and, and uh, uh, colors and creeds pictured of women who survived abortion. Can you honestly believe that in America there's half the country that would say no, they, that would look them in the eye and say you, you should have been killed? Because that's basically what you're saying when you're voting for these, these radical pro-abortion uh, bills that say, you know, you've got to, you know, fulfill this. If this was the will of the mother to kill the baby, doesn't matter if it survives an abortion, you've got to kill it. This is so heartless, Julian. I know we just have a minute left, but wrap up this for us. Well, it is heartless. And here's what's hopeful is that there is a possibility that the wrongfully decided Roe versus Wade uh, decision in 1973 created out of, quote, whole cloth in our Constitution. It's not a constitutional provision for a right to abortion, my word, Th that we could see that undone by one of these cases that is up there where the court could reverse its position on Roe v. Wade. Mm. And then we wouldn't have so many of these heart-wrenching stories mm -hmm. and the states would be able to say we're going to we're going to outlaw abortion and that because that's what would happen by the way if roe v wade is reversed it doesn't immediately um uh, make abortion illegal in this country it reverts to the states and hopefully states all over the place would say number one it's illegal number two if somebody does an abortion then you need to do life-saving measures mm -hmm. to try to save them Amen. And we need to go, just follow the commandments and uh, abide by the Word of God and that uh, supports life. And we've been uh, very vocal about that for many, many years on this podcast. And uh, we hope, guys, that you'll continue to help raise awareness about this very divisive issue. But what does the truth say? What does the Word of God say? And what does conscience tell us? We need to protect human beings from the womb to the tomb. And I know, Jelaine, you've been a, a, a fighter for that as well. Thank you, Wisconsin Family Council. Remember the events coming up, including the um, March for Life, Saturday, October 2nd. And um, what else? There was one other one. Oh, going local. September 30th. Yep. Uh, September 30th, going local. And uh, get that information at wifamilycouncil.org. God bless you, sister. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you. Love you guys. Talk to you later. Thanks, Elaine. Uh, when we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are the rest of this week on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. You will hear Shay Hoodman tomorrow, and he's with GotQuestions.org. Robert Meyer with Renew America on Thursday and Dr. Duke Pesta Education Issues on Friday. He's with Freedom Project. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.